Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to the Hardcore on its Tea podcast with Logan Slaughter, also known as Logan Hardcore. Now, last week we got wild about Drag Race, and this week's episode is going to be a little less pop culture and drag based and really be um, about a topic in my life that's been consuming for the last 90 days, which is my sobriety. Um, as you all know, on my Instagram, I asked who had questions, nothing off limits, and a lot of them were about this topic. Um, and I think as someone who's very outspoken, I think it's probably a great thing for me to talk about because you might hear some honesty that you don't normally hear from people in recovery. Um, obviously some things will have to remain anonymous and some things I'm not going to open up too much about because there are other things in the works that may involve those stories. Um, but I, you know, I have a list of questions that were asked and I'm prepared to be as open and vulnerable as possible without you know, overstepping my own boundaries. I do want to take a minute before we start this to promote my favorite mocktail brand, which is Mingle Mocktails. Um, you know, some people are doing dry January. Some people are just sick of drinking because it's a lot during quarantine. And some people are probably just looking for something new to mix with their vodka or tequila. And I have to say that Mingle Mocktails has really been an imperative part of my sobriety. Um, they come in beautiful bottles. You can bring them to a party, uh, which we're not doing. But, you know, if you have a dinner party with your pod, um, you can have it out and not feel like you're um, sticking out. Um, it's a self-started brand by a woman named Laura, who I have a lovely relationship with, and um, she just loves to see people um, thriving in their sobriety. And also, she knows that this can be used as a mixer, which I think is great because it doesn't make anyone, you know, anyone can use this. The best part is the price for these. They're a full bottle, like a wine-sized bottle, is $8, I believe, at Whole Foods. But if you go to MingleMocktails.com and use code 10HARDCORE, you get 10% off of your entire purchase. And also, you will receive a Hardcore Party Pack, which will come with some cute paper straws, some coasters, some chocolate, and just like something cute to add to it and make it a little more fun. Um, my two favorite flavors are the um, Bellini and the Cranberry Cosmo. So, you know, go to Amazon as well. You can use code 10HARDCORE for this product only. And also on MingleMocktails.com. Now let's dive into some sobriety, honey. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Girl, here we go. You want to bring up my stuff? Girl, I'm the person that talks the most about everyone, so I have to be very open and honest when it comes to my own shit and my side of the street, and something we say in AA is to keep our side of the street clean. I've lived very openly and honestly with everyone, especially in drag. I've talked about everything. People have seen me at my best. People have seen me at my worst. People knew that I drank a lot. People knew that I did drugs. You know, I spoke about my past being an escort. Like, nothing was ever off the table. I've lived a pretty open... Um, life and been a pretty open book. Um, so when it comes to this part of my sobriety or of my life, which pertains to my sobriety, I feel it's also very imperative that I'm open about this. Because one thing I've noticed is there are a group of people who were like I was that didn't know the next step to take, who were needing help, who were needing assistance, who didn't know if this pertained to them. And I think that this is just, I have this platform and I have a medium that I can use this, um, microphone in my voice and I can maybe help someone else, which at the end of the day is what the program I'm in, which is AA, is all about. So um, 
I'm looking at my list of questions uh, that came from you guys on my Instagram, and I'm kind of just going to try to do them in an order that makes sense, but also just go through them. So do I do a 12-step program? Um, I do. I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. I go every single day, once if not twice. I go on Zoom. I was going in person until numbers started rising again, and then I went to just Zoom. Um, I go to two very separate groups. I go to a young person's meeting, and then I go to another meeting, which is people that I've known for a very long time who are on Fire Island. Um, and I don't think I need to hide that because it's a public website. Um, and someone else asked, what did my first day and my first meeting look like? Um, my first day of recovery, I spent my first three days of recovery detoxing. I had hit my bottom and I, um, had a lot in my system and I needed to detox from it all. So I spent three days kind of, I think one and a half was basically in bed. And then I had to go back to work on my computer. And when I wasn't on my computer, I was laying down. I didn't do my show. Like I was really in recovery. Um, and then I think it was that Friday. Um, I went to my first meeting, um, up here. I Googled and I found the New York intergroup website, which lists every meeting at what time they are, where they are by borough and all of that. So that was a very big helpful tool for me in my first day of sobriety. Um, and I found a meeting that was 10 minutes away from my house. So I put on my mask and drove over and immediately my heart sank. I was pulling into a church, um, and you just get this overwhelming feeling of shame. And I was like, I, I had the fight or flight moment. I was like, I am in my car. I can just keep driving. I don't have to do this. And I was like, you need this. This is, this is, we've hit the point of no return. So I um, parked, I got out of my car and I didn't know where to go. So I was wandering around a little bit. And then I found the door and everyone was saying hello and everyone was kind and they, you know, took your temperature and you had to fill out a piece of paper for contact tracing. And, um, I went in and I sat in the very back row right by the door. Um, it was very full. Every chair was six feet apart, but it was a full room. And a woman saw that I was kind of uncomfortable and nervous. And she asked if I had been there before. I said it was my first meeting. The meeting started. She raised her hand and said it was my first time. So at that point, I was in. Like, there was no there was no fleeing at this point. Everyone in the room turned around. I was sitting by the door. I was the person that I now would know was their first time. Um, the speaker shared, and then the shares went around the room, and when it got to me, I had no hesitation, and I said, hi, my name is Logan, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. Um, and from that moment on, I felt like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. I felt um, that there wasn't hiding anymore. I wasn't hiding anything. And as open and honest as I'd been on stage, I was still hiding things. I was lying about things. There was just like this convoluted mess that I had created um, and an image that I was trying to hold up. Um, and I know some of you are probably like, I don't know if you're an alcoholic. I don't know if I'm an alcoholic. And I'm going to tell you this. There's a hundred different definitions of the word alcoholic. 
I knew many, many years ago that there was going to come a time in my life I was going to have to stop drinking and doing drugs for good. It was just, it just wasn't something that I could have one. I could, you know, I, it never was good. I could have a glass of wine at dinner and then stop. But if I was choosing to have a day of partying, which was really what my drinking was, it was partying, um, it was balls to the wall. And it was, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to without care for anyone else and any repercussions. And to me, that was my disease. My disease was once I had a couple of drinks, there was no turning back. Um, it wasn't going to be fun for anyone. I was going to hurt people. I was going to be messy. I was going to make really bad decisions. I was going to lie. Um, and, you know, that all just kept spiraling. Um, so I went to my meeting. I did not give anyone my number. I did not take any numbers. I got in my car and I started crying. And I was driving home and I just remember feeling peace. I remember feeling like I wanted to go to another meeting the next hour. It was just, I finally felt like I had done the right thing and that I was in the right place for myself, which was um, really important for me. Because I felt like for many years doing drag um, and, you know, drinking and doing drugs was part of the persona I created in drag. I was known as the party girl. I was known as the girl that was going to be messy. I, I, I did this to myself. Um, but finally, I felt like I was doing something about it, which was really helpful for me. So the next question I'm going to dive into is, how is my journey going? Well, yesterday was my 90 days, um, which is a really big achievement in Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of people relapse before 90 days. Um, I say to my sponsor all the time, okay, so my journey, um, I've had three, I'm on my third sponsor. Um, my first one was a nightmare. My second one didn't work out. And now I have one who... I should have just listened to everyone and gone with at the first time around because I thought I could do the program my way, which you will learn very quickly if you are in Alcoholics Anonymous. Just follow people's advice because they know what they're doing. Um, my sponsor is the opposite of me. He is a straight Italian bro, um, and we just get along well. We, we both say it how we fucking mean it. There's no bullshitting with him, and I, it's what I need. Um, but my journey of 90 days was quite simple for me. Um, you know, I'm locked inside. I haven't had the opportunity to um, be in bars yet, which is, I say to my sponsor all the time that this has been easy for me because I haven't been faced with my world yet. I haven't been at Stonewall when someone buys me a shot and brings it to me on stage. I haven't been in a bar where people are doing drugs and asking if I want any. I haven't been in social settings or on Fire Island. Like, I have been in the comfort of my home where I was able to kind of ground myself and plant my feet firmly, which is really good for me because I do not think that I would have been ready in my first 30 or 60 days to be in a bar with people and the temptations. I said what I said. I would not have been able, I don't think I would have been able to, um, not do it. You know what I mean? I think I would have given in. I think that I would have drank. Um, it's been a little difficult for me when other people drink. My husband drinks, my father drinks. He does, my father doesn't really bother me because he doesn't drink to a point of drunk. My husband, um, you know, does. 
and it's not anything outrageous, but as someone in sobriety, I don't, we didn't know how this was going to affect me. Um, and I'm very sensitive to it. And, you know, we've had to have very honest, open conversation that's um, not always ended the best. Don't shut your fucking mouth. I've had enough of you, you beast. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're working through it and it's a new normal for us and that's okay. Um, I can't expect everyone around me to not drink because I'm not. This was a decision I made for myself. So all in all, my 90, well, today's 91. My 91 days have been um, generally easy. Um, I'm going to kind of bleed this into another question. I have found such a support in this group. Um, There are people I speak to, probably a handful, seven or eight people I speak to every single day. I text people when I wake up. I text people all day. I talk to my sponsor every day. Um, and then this goes into, have you lost your friendships due to sobriety? And, um, sorry, it's a pencil. I'm crossing things out because I don't want to double go back. So sorry, sis. How dare you? How dare some of the people that they call themselves my friends, (laughs) to be quite honest. Um, people that I thought I would hear from and get checked in on more often, um, I have not. Um, and... I hear from people in the program every day. So, you know, it's kind of eye-opening. I posted about my 90 days yesterday, and 700 people liked it. And in all honesty, in my group of maybe 10 non-AA people that I'm close-ish with, one reached out to me. That's a lie. Three did. But um, it was kind of eye-opening. They, I see that they liked the photo, but it doesn't take much to send a text. I'm the first person that when something goes on with someone, I, met, I check in. Um, but that's just me, and I can't... It, that's where my ego comes into play, and I can't expect everyone to do whatever I think they should. People are going to show their colors, and I'm going to have to rock with that. And that is okay. Um, is my husband sober? No, we covered that. Um, what was my deciding factor? This was the one, I think I probably got 50 or 60 versions of this. Um, I just hit a rock bottom and it wasn't cute. It wasn't fun. Um, there's a few people that know the whole story and, um, lived it with me because I kind of forced them to and, Um, that'll be told when it's time, but I just hit a point where I was going to lose everything that I'd worked for. I was probably going to lose my husband and my home and my nephews and my mother-in-law and, you know, my marriage and just things that are so important to me that I will always put before a drink. Um, I don't need a drink. I need my family. Um, and... Drinking with me um, led to a lot of things like lying and drugs and shit like that. So it just was not a great downfall. And when my mother got diagnosed years ago with her illness, that's when my um, drinking and addictions sped up. Um, I kind of doubled down and I said, this is how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to numb all pain through this. Then my father, my mom died. I sped up even more. Then my dad got diagnosed with cancer and I sped up even more. So my spiraling was just getting worse. And it 
just came to a point I'm a pretty reasonable person where I realized that this was not something that was working for me or my family anymore and I needed to it was time to make a decision and it wasn't an easy decision and after my rock bottom I was laying in bed it was I think my second day of detoxing and um the housewives of Orange County started and Bronwyn was sharing her story of sobriety and um there was just so much that made that I connected with, that I identified with. And it was in that moment that I realized I was an alcoholic. Um, it's always really weird to say. Um, especially this is really vulnerable. Um, a meeting is one thing because you're in a very safe space. This is kind of just going to go out there. So I, I don't know if you just heard my stomach, but even my stomach just got nervous. Um, but that's when I realized I am an alcoholic and I need to make a decision to make some changes. Um, when did I know it was time to become sober? Blah, blah, that was basically it. Um, what was my rock bottom girl? Stay tuned. How do I think my sobriety is going to affect my performances? Um, it's going to greatly affect my performances. I realized very quickly going back into virtual performing that my crutch was alcohol. I would get drunk before a show um, and drink through a show in points where I was nervous. I would reach for liquor. I would do shots. I would chug a drink. Like, it was my crutch. And um, I learned very quickly that that's no longer there. And there are some things that needed to be fine-tuned and sharpened, and that's okay. And I wor I'm working on them to this day, and I think all in all it's going to make um, for me to be a better performer. I think I don't need to rely on drugs and alcohol as a joke. I mean, I can make jokes about it still, but, you know, I don't need to chug a drink when I'm nervous because of an audience's reaction. I now realize so many things about me that I was... I have trauma from my past that um, I carry with me every day that I didn't realize was the underlying reason for all of this. Then someone else um, uh, asked, am I nervous about going back into bars and clubs? And the I could bullshit you and say no, but my honest answer is yes. Um, it's not an easy situation to be in. Um, it is a very, as we all know, alcohol and drug fueled career that I'm in um and I've hung out with people in the past that are very drug and alcohol fueled themselves and um I just hope that my limits are respected and my recovery is respected and that um you know it's clearly something I speak about on stage when we're back out so hopefully the audience will understand don't buy me a shot um, and if they do, you know, maybe they didn't know, keep it, sorry, I'm in recovery. I'm very, I'm a strong person, I can say that, but I definitely have some um, nerves going back in, just for my own self, because I know how easy it would be for me to say, oh, fuck it, let me have a shot and I'll start again tomorrow. But I don't want to do that because I'm not someone who likes to fail. I said what I said. Um, how often did I drink? I drank... Before quarantine, only when I worked or went to an event. Um, once quarantine began, I was drinking at home more often, obviously. Um, and 
not to the point of getting drunk all the time. Like, I would have a truly or two and play board games with TJ, and then I would stop. But I was, I was starting to drink at home, which for me was not something I ever wanted to do. I always said I don't want to drink at home because I feel like that's bringing... It's almost bringing... I would say it was bringing work home with me. And... um I don't want to bring work home with me. And the fact that alcohol is what I call work was also something that should have been an eye-opening experience for me. Um, let's see. Did I go to meetings or did I use my own resources? Um, I went to meetings and used my own resources. I contacted people I know that ha- um, worked in nightlife that are in recovery. Um, I went to meetings. I go to meetings. I use my network. I read a lot of literature. I do a lot of that. I keep myself very grounded. I meditate. I stay in my program. I work my program. And it sounds very weird. And if you're not in it, you don't understand that. But I work my program. Um, What was the worst night I had due to drugs and alcohol? I would have to say it was the night that I threw a shoe at someone's head. You know, when we all look back and laugh at these, I mean, I've had some really horrible experiences other than that, that luckily were not as public. And, you know, I'm working on some stuff where they, these stories will be told when it's the right time. But, um, you know, when you're so whacked out of your mind on drugs and alcohol that your immediate reaction to a situation is to take a shoe off and throw it at someone, that should have been a rock bottom moment for me. But instead, I went to the bar down the street and continued drinking, which was a pretty telling factor there as well. Like, what's the thesis? Can you not get it together? Um, so that was pretty bad. Um, I do want to speak about one more thing, and then I'm just going to touch on some Drag Race stuff, and then the rest of the Drag Race stuff I'm going to save for the Patreon. Um, Also, everyone, I do have a Patreon now. It is patreon.com forward slash hardcore honest tea. There are three levels. The $3 level, you're not getting anything. It's just saying that you love me. The $5 level, you will get four episodes minimum a month, one a week. And the $20 level, you'll get all of the four, you'll get the four the four the four or five dollar episodes and then I'm going to do one hour long podcast for the 20 um, it'll be an extra bonus episode for you guys that'll kind of be a little bit more if I'm reserved in some subjects I'm going to kind of go all the way for the 20 dollar sub people um, but I want to talk about um, something that's been really beautiful for me in this program and that is the service that I'm able to do in it and being able to help others um the amount of people that have reached out to me saying I think I need to talk to you do you mind I've had two people come into the program with me after me um one who is doing very well and almost on day 60 which is the farthest this person has made in their time in the program. And, you know, I just think that having someone that you're on this journey with can be very helpful. So I just want to take this moment to let anyone hearing this know, please feel free to reach out to me on any social media platform. I get it. I've been there. And I know that it can feel shameful and it can feel whatever. And I don't think that AA is for everyone. I think people can do this by just getting a bottle of Mingle and switching shit out. And you just have to have the will and the want to make 
this program or to make sobriety work for you. Um, so I just want everyone to know, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I am very open to talk. Everything will obviously be anonymous. Um, I just think that it's a beautiful thing that I can help people, which is why I'm so open with my journey. Because I know that other people being open in their journeys, like Marty Gold Cummings, I knew as much as I made fun of her that that was going to be me one day. And then she was one of the first people I reached out to. Um, so I know that me being as open as I am is going to help people. It already has, and I hope it continues to. And I also just think that there needs to be someone in our community who is known as a party person who now is in recovery that can be a voice for that sector of the community. Yes. And now let's get into some hag race. Um, I don't want to dive, like, real deep into this because, you know, sis, I have a Patreon now, too. So I just kind of want to talk about the formatting of the show this season and how it's broken down into two groups. And I think that this is really good. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it is giving us a chance to connect with these queens more than we would if all 13 were in a room at the same time. We're getting backstories. We're getting everything that we wouldn't. normally get sorry <laughs> that we wouldn't normally get because it's down to six queens at a time um i don't know i'm sure they're all going to come together at some point but this is giving us a really great chance um and it's letting the superstars of these two groups shine through i am sorry but i'm calling it now simone is the one to beat she has the star quality she has that thing she is that girl. I could watch her perform for hours on end. She, There's not one thing that she has done that I have not enjoyed fully. Um, she is a superstar in my eyes. Her day look, her evening look were phenomenal. Every single moment has, every look she has has a character and an, a full story behind it. And to me, that is the branding of a beautiful superstar. And I think she's the one to watch along with Candy Muse. I think Candy Muse is going to flourish in this competition. And I just want to say this. A lot of people, I like Tina as a person. Um, I like some of Tina's drag. <laughs> um, Tina's never going to be the pretty girl. Tina's never going to be the beauty queen, and she knows it. She calls herself a linebacker and Manhattan monster. Like, she gets it, and that's what's good about Tina. But, um... The it, she was smart to switch it up and get out of the red, orange, yellow and put on the all silver. But Miss Mama, <laughs> I'm gonna save my other opinions for the Patreon. <laughs> um, I think that. This is going to be a really great season. I'm going to say right now, I think I'm going to enjoy this season the way that I enjoyed season six. This feels like it is fun again. It feels like the girls are not taking themselves as completely seriously. But 
you know, we're going to see some people who do take themselves very seriously, but I think that that adds to it. And I also want to state that Tamisha Amon is also one to watch. I think that she's a legend. Um, if you go back and watch videos of her, she's been doing this forever, and she is quintessential drag performance royalty, and she is really phenomenal. And The Lady Said Go Home is brilliant. And the fact that she took Willem's advice and made a doormat out of it is even better. I cannot wait to see what she continues to bring. I'm going to have Tina on as a guest um, once it's approved through WOW and everything. And so we will be able to talk some real shit then. And I'm sure she's going to hold my feet to the flame. But... You know, that's the good thing about me and Tina. We are girls that enjoy stirring the pot and reading girls for shit. But at the end of the day, it's all lighthearted fun. And I like Tina. I put Tina in drag for the first time. So you're welcome, world. With the shuffling. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and with that, we are going to wrap <laughs> wrap this on up, kids. Um... You know, not every episode is going to be 45 minutes. Sometimes they'll be 30. It'll be, you know, it's going to be what it is. It's fucking free. You want the good episodes, the better episodes, then support on Patreon. Become a Patreon. Enjoy these lighthearted reads, and I'm going to leave you with this. Because I feel, I was going to save it for Patreon, but I feel it is good enough to be on the <laughs> main episode. I'm going to start leaving. Every episode is going to end with Logan's Words of Wisdom. And not every girl's going to be beautiful. You can paint a pig, but it's still going to be a pig. See you next week. <laughs>